0: Morning, friends. It's a neat slide. It's like the first week no one was paying attention to me because they're all looking up there. Like, what is everybody looking at?
1: They're not looking at me. Let's open our Bibles to the book of John. You'll notice um, uh, John 13, verse 34.
0: You notice that the text that we're picking for these messages really more on the, on the solution side of the coin rather than the problem. We spend plenty of time on the problem, um, but what is the solution? What's, uh, how does God meet us in the gospel to help us
1: cultivate uh, um, virtue as opposed to vice? The Gospel of John, chapter 13,
0: Jesus speaking in uh, the upper room discourse.
1: Verse 34, read along with me. A new commandment I give to you that
0: you love one another, just as I have loved you you also are to love one another. The grass withers and the flower fades,
1: but the word of the Lord remains forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I...
0: Confess to you, just for myself, uh, a distracted mind this morning. Um, Many things, many people on my mind and heart, and so I just ask, Lord, for your power and your grace to continue to and to engage in worship, even as I preach, that uh, I would be emptied of myself, that I might be filled with the Spirit to bless your people. Lord Jesus, you are such a good shepherd. You watch over all of us, your sheep, all the time. We're doing dumb things all the time like sheep do, but you are faithful to us. Or when it is difficult, when we are ornery, when we uh, resist, when we're stubborn, when we don't want to change, you are faithful to do good to us. You are faithful to protect us. You are faithful to lead us. You are faithful to guide us. You are faithful to sanctify us through the feeding of your word. So we ask your forgiveness, Lord, for our resistance to your work of change. Um, We do resist, and we prefer many times to go back to uh, Egypt and live the way we used to live, to live the old way, to um, enjoy once again the old self that only leads to death. And we ask for your forgiveness for, for our hearts. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would change us through the finished work of Christ. Um, Lord Jesus, you died in our place, not, that, not only that we might go to heaven and not go to hell, but that we might be transformed. One degree of glory, uh, one degree of glory unto another. Lord, um, that we might become like you as much as possible in our moral character perfection. And in this life, we have a chance bit by bit to participate in that work of becoming holy as you are holy And so we ask for your power, we ask for motivation, we ask for uh, you to help us cast off our sluggishness in that regard, that without any pressure, because Jesus has done it all, we would put effort in. We would work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And we pray that for our brothers and sisters around the world, Lord, Christians everywhere, that how will the world know us? It is by our love for you and for each other. And so may the universal church be a witness unto the gospel through how we live, not just what we say, but how we live.
1: We pray that for ourselves today. Teach us, O Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. What do you think about when you
0: think of sloth? Maybe a sloth, the animal Is that what comes into your mind? Maybe Zootopia? Flash from Zootopia. Uh, What do you call a three-humped camel? Pregnant. That scene is difficult for me to watch. That probably says something about me. There's a problem there inside me, but it is. I am uncomfortable. It's moving too slow. Maybe you picture someone perched on their couch, can of Pringles at their side methodically working through a season of the office. I might call that godliness, but I don't know what you call it. We tend to think of sloth simply as physical laziness, which is not thought highly of in American culture, particularly, I would say, in Midwest culture. This is almost an unpardonable sin. But if we see laziness as the extent of the problem, the solution is simply to work harder. Stop slacking off. Get up earlier. Reach your potential. Be more productive. Do more. Achieve. Work harder. If it's just laziness, that is the problem. And there you go. Problem solved. We're done here. That's nice and neat and tidy. I really didn't have to do any hard work. I really didn't have to get any deeper than that. I just, I just try to be more productive in my life. It's interesting that those who are very quick to go to the vice of laziness and the virtue of hard work are not usually as concerned with the vice of overworking, of workaholism. You know what is a great sin to not practice Sabbath? It's one of the Ten Commandments. I think we forget that. It will ruin your life if you work too hard, if you overwork, if you're killing yourself to be productive. Good for us to remember. What we'll see is that the vice of sloth is deeper and more complex than simply physically being lazy. It can manifest as both inactivity and frenzied activity. You can be very busy and very slothful. Because it's an issue of the heart, not just the body, not just productivity. It's an issue of the heart. It has the terrible potential to waste your life because you're wasting it on serving yourself, not on serving God and serving others. It has the potential to ruin relationships because it's all about you, to separate you from God. So we need to look in the mirror, as uncomfortable as it may be, and ask ourselves, is this a pattern in my life? Maybe not the pattern. I know it's like every week we get to the, these vices and, can I have a week off, please? Can you not talk to me this week? I don't, I haven't had one yet, um, and maybe it's, it's worse in some areas and, and better in others, but I think each week we look in the mirror, as uncomfortable as it is, we say, okay, Lord, do you have something for me here? To what degree is this me? If it's not a lot, then praise God. Wonderful. But I certainly am feeling it every week, at least to some degree. We turn to Jesus. We ask for liberation, freedom, joy. And he helps us. So let's look at the problem of sloth and then the solution. Here's a working definition of the problem. Sloth is willful resistance to the demands of love. Sloth is willful resistance to the demands of love. It is the pattern of choosing what is easy over what is right. of preferring to stay the same. I don't want to grow. I don't want to change in my character because that's hard. Now, simply because someone's really tired um, or in a season of, of fatigue, it does not make them lazy or slothful. Take a, 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 a newborn. Those parents are really tired. But are they being lazy? Are they being slothful? Probably not. They're probably, it's probably a true labor of love. They're working really hard. Simply because someone is depressed or chronically ill and just not able to do a lot physically does not make them lazy or slothful. This may be something that has happened to them, a number of events, complicated situations where... We don't immediately, just because they're not normal, they're not doing all the normal things, they're not really active, that, that, well, they must be lazy. They must be slothful. Not necessarily. Their heart could be in a good place. They wanted to, to love people, but they're unable physically for some reason. Sloth is a choice. Sloth is a choice. It is a choice to avoid the claim of God's love on your life. God's love makes a claim. If you accept it, what he did for you, it requires things. You accept grace, you accept God's love, it necessarily means change. It necessarily means action. Jesus didn't die for you to stand in cement. Some of you need to hear that. Some of you are standing in cement in your Christian life. I mean, maybe barely moving. That's not why Jesus died. Just so you could punch your ticket to heaven and hang out for 40 years. He died for you to walk somewhere. Go. To go somewhere. To grow up into something. Namely, Jesus, his character That's why all the verbs of the Christian life, they're active. They're moving. You're going. You're doing something. Things are happening. It's dynamic. It's active. You're putting on new virtues. You're putting off old vices. As sinners, that's what we need, guys. Transformation. Who here does not need to change? We all do. And God is in the business of change. This is his agenda for you every day. Every day. One author says that God loves us exactly the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. Sloth says no. No. It's too hard. It's too daunting. It's too much. I can't. In this case, the great lie of the enemy to you is, it's too hard. It's just too hard. I see God, what God wants for me. I'm here. It, it, there's no way. And, and when I say, okay, when I'm talking about effort, when I'm talking about it's too hard, don't think in terms of big dramatic moments. This is the way we think about the Christian life. Sometimes it's like these huge, dramatic moments, and sometimes it is, but usually it's not. Normal change in the Christian life is small, ordinary, day by day, decision by decision. It's baby steps in the right direction. Because the truth is, the honeymoon always ends. Even in your Christian life, becoming a Christian, you know that feeling when you're first saved, and you're just excited, and you're telling everybody, and you're probably not helping a lot of people, but you're excited, and you just want to talk about Jesus, and you're reading your Bible 15 hours a day, and you're praying in a closet all night because that's what you're supposed to do. And, well, you know that fades at some point, and you have to start the the difficult daily discipline of the Christian life. It's true in marriage. It's true in a job. It's true in everything. The honeymoon always ends. Not everything is always new and exciting. This is so fun. This is great. I feel energized. You don't always feel like obeying God.
1: (laughs) What do you do then? When you don't feel inspired. When you don't feel energized. Think about a
0: marriage. What keeps a marriage healthy? Is it excitement? Is it honeymoon after honeymoon after honeymoon? No, it's forgiveness. It's patience. It's friendship. It's time together. It's accepting someone who snores really loud. It's giving affection even when there's extreme morning breath. You push through it. Because you love this person. What keeps a family together? What keeps a family healthy? Prayer. It's not flashy. Leadership, encouragement, not killing each other. Small daily things that are often unseen. I guess you do see if you don't kill each other, but I mean, that's a good, yeah. What keeps a church healthy? What keeps a church together? Prayer. Just showing up, resolving conflict, choosing to serve people who annoy you, that keeps a church together. Daily acts of love, often unseen. The slothful resist those demands. They don't want to do that. Either by apathy or by escape. Either by apathy or by escape. First, apathy. This is how it manifests. You get in the routine of just putting yourself first. So like Paul says in Galatians 2, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. An apathetic, slothful person says, it's I who live, period. There's no Christ in me to die to myself, it's all about me. So you don't have margin in your schedule for others because your priorities are always filling your days. Now, that may not seem like sloth because, hey, I'm very busy. I'm doing a lot of good things. I'm very active. But if you, if you get underneath the surface, there's no room for anybody else but you. It's just you. Well, I got this to do. I got this project. I got this thing. I got that thing. And, and there's no room for anybody else. You don't stay after church for prayer or fellowship because I like to get home, whatever your reason. The game's on. I'm hungry. I don't know these people that well. You don't invite people over because you like your house to stay clean. The food we bought, it's for us. I don't like to feel any social awkwardness whatsoever, so I'm not having you into my home. That's just, I just don't do that. I don't like it. It's about me. You don't make or keep commitments because you like to be able to do what you want, when you want. You don't seek out counsel or mentorship or discipleship because at the end of the day, I don't want you to tell me something I don't want to do. I kind of already know what I want to do, so I'm not going to ask for counsel because you might say something to me that contradicts what I want to do. So I don't ask. I don't seek it out. You're fine staying the way you are. Yep, it's just how I am. I've accepted it. This is what turned Lot's wife into a pillar of salt. In Genesis 19, God is telling them, I'm going to destroy this city. I'm going to burn it because it's so wicked. And she doesn't want to leave. Why? Because she liked the old life. She liked the way things were. She preferred destruction over life she couldn't leave it behind she didn't want to change
1: that's what sloth is like you long to go back to the comfort of the comfortable a lot of
0: comfort issues here i just want to be comfortable i don't want to get uncomfortable You know, one of the greatest joys of ministry for me is to see in you guys a willingness to change, a dissatisfaction with your old self and your old life. And I see it all the time in you, and it's awesome. I love it. It fires me up. It's so exciting to see you dissatisfied with the way I've always done it, Willing to learn, willing to grow, willing to read, willing to accept instruction, that is from God. That is a miracle. So be encouraged. And I, I preach these messages and I push on these things not to beat you up, not to just make you feel guilty because I want the best for you. I want God's best for you. I want you to be liberated from things that ruin your life and make you ineffective in ministry for Christ. Not just to score points, okay? This is love. I love you guys. God loves you guys. So if that's you, be encouraged. Keep going. Don't give up, especially when you sin. You feel discouraged. I'm falling. (laughs) I'm doing that more
1: than I thought I was. It's all right.
0: Pray about it. Work through it. God will help you. Loth reveals itself in apathy and also in escape. And that's a little less obvious. I mean, this whole this whole sermon is not super obvious. I think it's it's pretty deep under the surface. But basically, when things get hard, when it's not fun anymore, when you have a personal conflict you don't really want to deal with, you run away. That's easy. You leave. You avoid the demands of love, the call of God, by leaving, by escaping. Ah, it could be a job. It could be a marriage. We've seen that happen. I certainly have. It's too hard. could be a friendship. could be a church. could be a place. The slothful person is like a rock skipping on a lake. It's just flighty. You never stop. You never stay. You're always on to the next thing. There's always a problem. There's always a problem. It's always somebody else. Well, my boss, you know, if you know, and, oh, that church, you know, they weren't very welcoming. Well, did, did you talk to anyone? Did you actually reach out? Well, they just, I didn't have a good feel. There's always a problem. It's somebody
1: else and you're moving on. If you look at your life and you
0: are consistently changing jobs, changing where you live, changing churches, losing friends, making new ones, losing friends, making new ones, you just have a history of, I can never quite work through anything with anybody. You need
1: to look at sloth. It's a problem. And here's the tricky part. You can come up with lots
0: of reasons to sound very pious, very good to leave. Run away. Well, I prayed about it, and uh, God's just leading me to do this. This will be a better use of my gifts. Um, whatever your thing is with, with a church, you know, we just, that church, it didn't quite have quite the doctrine, quite the, you know, we're really looking for a, kind of more of a contemporary, specific worship style, and they didn't quite have that, so we're going over here. Not that you should never leave a church. There are good reasons. It's a question of your heart. It's a question of a habit. For this
1: one, I'm not happy and I know God wants me to be happy. You just you just never stay. You never settle. You never commit.
0: Not that God never calls you to make a change. He does. Absolutely. God can call you to make a change. But he also says the way to fulfillment is commitment. The way to fulfillment is commitment. Is somebody that's dating and sleeping around and having one-night stands. Are they having fun? Maybe. Are they fulfilled? No way. A commitment to one person for life, that is the context for fulfillment. One author says it this way. The slothful person tries to find happiness while evading the daily demands of self-giving love. He prefers his own efforts to make himself happy with shortcuts and quick fixes. He chooses to avoid the onerousness of love's demands by putting them off and trying to find fulfillment some easier way. By doing so, he actually cuts himself off from the possibility of fulfillment and happiness. Shortcuts and quick fixes are easy in the moment, but they have consequences. They always have consequences. They keep you from God's best. <clears throat> I got a call from a young father recently who uh, was struggling in his marriage, in his family life, and he was looking for counsel on, okay, I, I want to change. I want to get this to get better. It's not going well. There were patterns of anger. There were patterns of escapism. Things got hard, would just, you can imagine, go do this or do that to escape. Um, There were patterns of overworking. He's working 60, 70 hours a week, I mean, getting paid a lot of money, but wasn't around his family a lot. And and he told me, okay, I want to change. And so at some point I begin to outline, here's what that would look like. Here's the steps you would need to take. Here's the decisions that would require you to die to yourself and some of the things you have been doing and change. And every time I would bring something up, there would be an objection. Well, I I, I can't really work less because of this and this. Well, it's really hard for us to go away together as a couple because of this and this. Well, date nights, yeah, it's just difficult because there's objection and objection. Okay. Okay. I mean, maybe you don't really want those things. Because if you did, you would be willing to change. Sometimes we want the silver bullet. I don't like the way things are going. It's not going well. This is a problem in my life. And I'd like to have it wrapped up in a couple of weeks, maybe a month tops. Well, how long did it take you to get here? Well, about 15 years. Generally speaking, the principle is however long it took you to get there, it's going to take something like that to come out of it. It's going to take time. Virtue is not developed overnight. Vice is not developed overnight. These are not quick things. They are slow, methodical choices day after day. So if you really want to change, it's going to take time. It's going to take a little bit at a time. You can't, I can't give you, you know, the miracle book that you just read this book. And, it's, of course, it needs to be a short book with some pictures, but it's not going to happen. You can't take a weekend and fix it. I can't give you the, the verse that's just going to fix it. I can't give you that person in your life. Well, if you just meet with them a few times, they'll give you the wisdom and you're
1: fixed. It's slow and steady wins the race. And honestly, some people just don't want to do that. I hope it's none
0: of you. But sometimes you find that at the end of the day, I kind of prefer the way I am. I kind of prefer working 70 hours a week and not seeing my
1: family very much. You say you don't, but your actions tell us something different. This is all perfectly illustrated in the movie Groundhog Day, obviously.
0: The great theologian Bill Murray, aka Phil Connors, um, is stuck repeating the same day over and over again. February 2nd, to be exact. Not a good day to get stuck in. (laughs) Not a good day in Pennsylvania or South Dakota to get stuck in. It's like getting stuck going to a three year old's birthday party every day, it's a waking nightmare. What does he do with the knowledge that, that he has to wake up in the same day every, every day? There's no consequences. He just can do it all again tomorrow. He gorges himself on selfishness. He eats a table full of donuts. Aren't you worried about cholesterol? I don't worry about anything anymore. He, he uh, tells off people he doesn't like. Doesn't he punch Ned in the face? Okay, needle Nose Ned. And he tries to get his co-worker, who he finds attractive, into bed. He tries to seduce her. Not by becoming a good person who she actually might love, but by shortcuts, quick fixes, to get what he wants. Remember, sloth is not inactivity. He's very busy. He's working very hard to memorize poetry, to pretend he loves world peace like she does, to like the same ice cream flavor. And she almost buys it. And and at the last minute, she sees through it and she says, I can't believe I fell for this. You don't love me. I could never love someone like you, Phil, because you could never love anyone but yourself. To which he says, I don't even like myself, which is true. Slothful people don't
1: like themselves, but they don't like change even more. So he's trapped,
0: and he falls into despair. He, he tries to commit suicide, but he can't. He can't get out. He's stuck. He's forced to make a choice. He can't escape, which is a, 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 a tactic of sloth. It's too hard. I have to get out. I want to get out. He can't run away from who he is, and the only way to happiness is inward change Through outward disciplines, he starts to care about people. He starts to do good to people. He starts to love people. He learns piano. He learns poetry simply for the sake of learning those things, not to get something out of it, just for the goodness of it. And he starts to change. Sometimes we think we have to feel like changing before we can change. It's usually the opposite. You start acting in love towards someone, your feelings will follow. You will start to love them more because you are acting in love toward them. And that's what he finds out. He changes because he chooses to act. And it's all related to God, not in the movie, but it's all related to God in your life. It's about relationship with God. The the sloth is the habit of wanting God's grace, God's forgiveness, God's love without having to change. You want the benefits, but not the responsibilities. I want to go to heaven. Yes, please. But carry a cross? That sounds like work. That sounds hard. That sounds heavy. I kind of like having fun. I like the old me. Is it really that bad back here in Sodom? Back here in Egypt? I like being in control, and that sounds like you're asking me to do things I don't necessarily want to do. You know, it's, it's like wanting the benefits of stretching without having to stretch. Who likes stretching anyway? I mean, nobody really likes it. But do you want to not have your back go out? Yeah. Do you want to feel better all the time? Yeah. Do you want to be able to do more things, play with your kids? Yeah. Okay. Are you willing to take 15 minutes a couple times a week and stretch?
1: Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. That's sloth. You you want the benefits, but you don't really want to put in the effort to achieve it, to make it happen. What's the solution? Solution is first you have to accept God's love for you. You have to accept the costly, sacrificial, unfair, uneven,
0: unconditional, cross-bearing love of Jesus. That is the nature of his love. And sometimes we talk about the love of God. That's what we need to think of. Not, I think sometimes I saw it on, I saw it on a, uh, uh, what do you call it, you know, sign outside of a church, smile, God loves you. Uh, I feel like you're basically saying God likes you because there's nothing, there's no teeth to that. There's no cost. God just loves you. Well, you're, you know, he's nice to you. Okay, great. What is that supposed to do to me? That doesn't even mean much. If it's costly, if it's a cross, if it's sacrificial, if it's uneven and unfair, you don't deserve it. In fact, you deserve wrath. Now we're talking. Now that has the potential to change my heart. That has a potential to motivate me to actually change. But if you just like me and you're just nice to me, I mean, I feel like I'm a pretty likable, nice person. So what's the
1: big deal? Gospel love always changes those who receive it. Gospel love
0: always changes those who receive it. You can't help but do it to others if you grasp it. Jesus teaches this very directly in John 13. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. So if you're resisting loving people the way Jesus loves, sloth, either you're not a Christian and you need to become one and trust in him for the first time and begin to change, or you're just functionally day-to-day forgetting. And, And I'm guilty. I forget what Jesus has done for me. I forget how much he loves me. I forget the cost. And so I'm not willing to put myself on the line. I'm not willing to die to myself because I've forgotten that he did that for me. You see the connection? That has to be there. That is the only way you move out of this is through the gospel. Just as I have loved you. Just as I have loved you. Well, what was that
1: like? What was the love that Jesus had for you like? Well, it was hard. It was hard. It was usually not dramatic. Now, there are a few
0: dramatic moments, obviously. But a lot of it, I mean, think about that. Day-to-day, moment-to-moment, for 33 years, obeying the Father, trusting the Father
1: in every little thing, little things, simple things, he did that for you. He did that for you. He didn't run away when things got hard.
0: Gethsemane, real hard. How many of us, how many of us wouldn't have run away? The disciples were not going to the cross, and it was too hard for them to
1: stay awake for a few hours and pray with Jesus. I don't even want to know what I would have done. It's choosing to do what is right over what is easy. Matthew 4. Temptation of Jesus. You can imagine the enemy.
0: Hungry Jesus? It's been 40 days since you last ate. You can turn those rocks into bread. You know that, right? Good bread, warm bread, buttered bread. Boy, it, it would taste so good. I can hear your stomach growling, Jesus. I mean, what? It's bad to eat? God, God doesn't want you to eat? God wants to starve you? That's his heart for you? I mean, just a little bit of food. Come on. Can you, can you just please take a shortcut? Think of yourself for one minute. This isn't fair, Jesus. It's not fair. It's too hard. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, the Father's way, even though it's the harder way, is the better way.
1: Those are the choices he made for you. hard obedience that achieved a great glory. When you grasp that
0: again and again and again, it will reproduce in your life. Costly love, great gain. That's the first step. I'll give you one more. One more spiritual discipline. Stay. Stay. Practice sticking. Practice persevering. Practice not running away. Practice putting down roots. Honestly, I lived in big cities. It it forces you in a smaller town to do this. Because, you know, we get in a fight, I see you at ACE. We're checking out in the grocery line together. Like, okay, a town of a million people, we can get in a fight, I can run away, and I may never see you again which is exactly what I want. So God, in his mercy, I think, it's like in, in those kind of contexts, it helps you to stick. It helps you to persevere. You have to work through things or else it's going to be really awkward. Now, say this, qualifier doesn't mean that God never calls you somewhere else, somewhere unexpected. We did, South Dakota was not in our 10-year plan. Grateful to God we're here. okay doesn't mean you're never called to leave. When I say stay, I just need you to understand that. If you're in an abusive relationship, you need to leave. Okay? It is not slothful. It is not lazy. You are not running away if you get out. That is actually loving. That is actually pleasing to God. So there are qualifiers when it is right and good to leave. What I'm driving at is what is the pattern? What is typical for you? Are you willing to put effort into loving people, working through things? That pleases God because that reveals the gospel. He works through it with us. He is faithful to us. He doesn't run away when we mess up again. It's the virtue of faithfulness. It's the fruit of the spirit of faithfulness. You're faithful. And I see some of you have been here at this church for a long time. You have been faithful through good and bad and ugly. That is pleasing to God, and you have you you've you've seen the fruit you've been blessed by that, yeah you know, I've noticed the the temptation to run away, especially in younger generations y z alpha, right? You're no help at all ever. I'm learning my kids are alpha. are we doing Greek alphabet now? We're done with English, yeah, yeah, okay, that's cool, whatever. You have some kind of tiff with someone in your social circle. What do you do? You ghost them. We are done. It's over. And oh, not that you go and talk to them and tell them that. You just defriend them, whatever it is. You Snapchat. You do something. We're done. It's over. There's no working through it. You offended me. Staying at a job? Forget it. I think the turnover among young people in jobs is insane to me. It's like you stub your toe and you're not coming back. Seriously, this like anything goes wrong, you don't even tell your employer that you're quitting or give them a two week notice. Forget that. You just don't show up. You don't call. You don't nothing. You're gone. I go into these places that employ young people, and it's like every single time I go in, it's entirely new staff. I was here last week. How does that happen? It's always new people. I, I sound like a cranky old man. These young kids, you know, we were growing up. It's true. If you never work through adversity, you will build character that is shallow, frail, and anxious. You have to work through adversity. Doesn't mean there's never a time to leave a job. You have to work through things. That has to be the pattern, the habit. And it's tempting. My sophomore year of college, I was tempted to transfer. I wasn't playing as much as I thought I should. I was getting into things with the coaches, had some player issues with other people on the team. And I was starting to think about it, and people are telling me, you know, you should just transfer. And I certainly wasn't maturely thinking in these categories. I was like, well, I don't want to be slothful. I wasn't thinking about any of that. But I did feel God's grace helped me to choose to stay, to talk to my teammates, to work through it with them, to choose to be kind to them when I didn't really like them, some of them. To, to work through it and be patient with my coaches and, and learn to die to my desire to mouth off to them when I didn't think what they said was fair. Um, I probably could have gone a lot of different places, even justified it by telling myself, well, it's the harder thing to do. It's the courageous thing to do. You know, you're not being treated fairly here, and so you should go. I would have had to sit out a year. There's a cost. The transfer portal, by the way, is not helping us with sloth. You just go anytime you want. But in truth, the harder thing to do was stay. The harder thing to do was stay, and God bless that. You know, the next year, I met Carrie. Uh, later that season, I became a starter on the team, and I was a starter all the way till I graduated. I, I still text with my coach. I have great friends, I have great memories. I, you know, and just that, by the grace of God, being faithful. When it got hard, I'm so thankful that I did. Now, it doesn't mean that if you stay, it always turns out peaches. It doesn't necessarily. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying God will bless that virtue. God will work through it. Commitment is the context for fulfillment. Commitment is the context for fulfillment. Commitment is where love flourishes. We have to believe that. So, let's not resist God's good agenda for change in our life. He is making you new. Be patient while
1: he finishes. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love.
0: We want to sing now of your love. It is amazing love. We don't know how it could be that our God, our Creator, could die for me. Lord, we pray that you would fill us with your love by the Holy Spirit, that we might reproduce that, that we might bend it outward in acts of love, putting effort into loving other people as you have loved us. We ask for Jesus' sake.
1: Amen.